What star is that? It's my own secret technique. All my life, grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Mm, what? Come on, Nipsey. You know what I'm saying? How are you? How are you? Hold on. It's time for a warm beverage. What is that about? Who invented that? <laughs> is that a necessary sound that human beings need when they when they have something hot or cold? What is that? Thank you for listening to FarsightTV.com. You are locked in to the Bishop Chronicles. And as always, I am your host, Adisa the Bishop, a.k.a. the Black Dragon of the West Side. Yeah, a.k.a. Zato Ichi, a.k.a. the South Bay Shogun, Shogun. Shogun, a.k.a. the Iron Hook Assassin, also known as the Hood's Black Ron Burgundy. How are you? Ain't nobody triller than me, homeboys and girls. Bishop Chronicles is the world's first podcast dedicated to hip-hop, health, and fitness trends from a West Coast perspective. That means it's slightly different than what you're used to. Um, Ain't nobody out there. Lacing your cranium with this here vibranium, like, you know what I'm saying? Like Adisa the Bishop, also known as Uno Nuno. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you can be down now, or you can bow down later, because the West Coast OGs, we stay greater. What is that, a 6-4? I don't even know. I don't know cars enough. You know what I'm saying? I used to be like, hey, hey, when it's going down. Um, Man. Thank you for those listening for the first time. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for showing up. Um, If this is your first time, understand that this may not be the best thing. About a show enough is the West thing. About a show enough is the West thing. About a show enough, show enough, show enough, show enough, show enough is the West thing. Yeah. Um, do me a favor, subscribe, okay, and share this with two friends. Two, two, two friends. Not like oh, I'm sending it to all my friends because this is cool. Send it to two friends that you actually think are gonna listen. You know what I'm saying? Um, and you know. I don't know. Uh, what show should you send? This one, probably. A hot beverage. Probably this one. But it could be, you know, the last show with RZA. Could be the one with Mel D. Cole talking about what? Being black, taking pics at the uh, Capitol riots? Hmm? Mm-hmm. You ain't got no firsthand uh, understanding of that chaos unless you tune in. Two people, two people, two people pass it on and be like, yo, you need to really listen to this. You know what I'm saying? Because the BCP army is growing because of you. You know what I'm saying? Because of him, because of her, 
because of them, because of they, because we out chill. You know what I'm saying? And me and Mike appreciate it. Truly, truly, truly. We appreciate all of your subscriptions. We appreciate every time you leave a positive uh, uh, note, you know what I'm saying? And rating on, 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 on iTunes and everything, man. It matters. Spotify, all of it matters. You know what I'm saying? We all are here stuck in a pandemic. So we need all the props we can get. Um, and that's how it is when you're dealing with the Black Ron Burgundy of the hood. Welcome. Adisa the Bishop, live and direct. And now, now, green tea, a good hot beverage. Um, it's time for the heartbeat props. What do we do during heartbeat props? We give props to the living. As you can tell, forget this and remember, all my real OGs know I've been doing this for pretty much since the beginning of Bishop Chronicles, right? We give heartbeat props to give props to the living because you don't want to be the person posting stuff on your IG going to the funeral, making a big deal and stuff. <laughs> that was my partner, bro. <laughs> that was my partner, bro. Boy, if you don't sit your ass down in this church. um, Give props to people while they're living. Give thanks to people while they're living and give specific thanks for specific reasons. Don't yo, but I got love for you, bro. You know what I'm saying? That's not what we're saying. We're saying go a little bit deeper and be very specific about why you got props for him, why you giving props. So I'm giving my heartbeat props. And this idea actually came from Digital Underground. You know what I'm saying? The song Heartbeat Props from way back. So this is something that I've been doing in my head and heart from a long time because it comes from the West because this is how we give love. You know what I'm saying? Spread love is the Brooklyn way. I mean, that's not really West Coast. I mean, it's B.I.G. But it's the same spirit. Um... <clears throat> At notepad underscore wisdom. At notepad underscore wisdom. A really sick podcast uh, by the homie Sanjay out out there in, in uh, you know what I'm saying, in the United Kingdom. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, we global out here. And so he had Deese on, man. And you know what? He's a fantastic human being. Hella funny. Hella smart. But really, his actual IG is lit. He has all these handwritten kind of uh, notepad diagrams about how you can live better, think better, act better. Uh, it's one of my favorite pages on IG. True to life. I don't say it about nobody else. One of my favorite pages. A hot beverage. Um, also, a shout out to Matt at Chicago Chess Foundation. At Chicago Chess Foundation. Cool dude. We were chopping last week. You know what I'm saying? Working on these covert operations, boy. You don't know what we're fixing to get into. Stop acting like you know something you don't know. Anyway, shout out to Matt. Love building with you. You know what I'm saying? And um, man, I just love you know, how this connection of hip hop, chess and martial arts is impacting people and, and growing in its own ways. You know what I'm saying? Organic boy, like vegetables, you're um, at chess optics and at chess forum. Follow them both at chess optics at chess forum. You know what I'm saying? Um, all of them, when we did the RZA uh, issue uh, for chess life, man, you know, they all reposted stuff and, and gave shine and, and, and gave props, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I appreciate y'all, you know what I'm saying? Cause that's not something y'all had to do. Um, and, and that means a lot to me for real, for real, you know, um, we out here trying to improve the children's lives. We out here trying to, you know, help, make young kings and queens of all these children who deserve better. You know what I'm saying? I'm not even just talking about uh, like kids in juvenile hall that I worked with or kids in the hood that I work with at different high schools. I'm talking about kids deserve better across the board. You know what I'm saying? 
a warm beverage. Um, now we're on to the West Coast Word of the Week. What is the West Coast Word of the Week? Why do we do it? We do it because people come to Cali and they not really, you know what I'm saying? When you go to somebody's town, you got to respect a town, man. When you go in some other country, right, what do you try to do? You just try to learn a few words so you don't offend nobody and you don't get beat up or arrested. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to keep you from getting beat up or arrested. <laughs> when you come to the website. So. What we're going to do right now is jump into the West Coast word of the week. This deals with specific action inside car culture. You know what I'm saying? Out here, you know what I'm saying? Low riders, right? You know what it is. And muscle cars. That's how we roll out here. Low riders and muscle cars. That's what we do with the low riders. They usually tricked out with way iller paint jobs. You know, hit the switches. Pancake side to side, three wheel motion. You know what I'm saying? You know how we do out here. You know what I'm saying? the blacks and the essays this is what we do um but then there's another thing that we do out here that i really think came from the bay and i'll explain that in a minute but the term is dipping it's a verb it's an action word we dipping on these like you know what what is that about it's when you punch the gas and the brake rhythmically to make the car look as if it had hydraulics when it in fact is not. Everybody actually knows it doesn't have hydraulics. It's what people without hydraulics do to, you know what I'm saying, set it off, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I think it's a Bay thing and I'll tell you why. Back in the day, I used to uh, holler at this chick from Carson, California. You know what I'm saying? And she went to Davis. And so one day me and my boy shot up, hey blood, hey Chris, remember when you punched it up from the bay to Davis in like 45 minutes and we didn't get arrested? How did you do that, bro? Chris, Chris, like if I was smart enough to rob a bank, Chris would have been my driver. Amazing. So Chris, we mob up there. Ah! Hang out. Oh, for real, for real. Yeah. You know how we do. You know what I'm saying? California love, you know, and um, was dipping out, was leaving. And they were standing on a porch and Chris get in the ride. He had this 98 olds. It was sick. What was a Chrysler? What was that? I don't even remember. It was Chrysler. I don't know cars. That's my problem. But it was fresh. It had the little crystal thing on the front of the hood. And so he starts dipping. You know what I'm saying? He was playing like Public Enemy or NWA. He was, he was, he was, he had something lit on. And um, the girl, the girl was with her friend. Her friend was from the Bay. But she was from Carson. And she was like, what are y'all doing? And then her friend was like, girl, he dipping. He just trying to act like they got hydraulics. <laughs> and then we bounce. Um, yeah. So dipping West Coast word of the week. You know what I'm saying? But now everybody dips all up and down. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that's what it is. You know what I'm saying? Um, dipping West Coast car culture. Get with it. Um, and now it is time for the haiku. A haiku is a Japanese poem of three lines. The first is five syllables. The second is seven syllables. And the third is five. So it's five, seven, and then five. Uh, syllables, not words. You got to count it out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, and so I love haikus. 
crazily. In fact, man, look, I got a whole book of haikus coming out. Huh? I got a whole book. And, you know, some of my iller haikus actually got snatched from YouTube. Do any of y'all out there randomly know anybody who plays a shakuhachi, hmm? a flute? Hmm? Or, you know, any of the uh, Chinese or the Japanese harps? Anybody got love? Huh? Can somebody help me out? Because they, they snatched some of, the, some of the haikus we had before. Shady. You know what I'm saying? And so... Um, if you do, hit us up. You know what I'm saying? We'll give you props, tag you. You know what I'm saying? And we can all work in this digital uh, entertainment sphere together. Uh, so what I'm about to do is a quick haiku. Um, Mike, you know, it's been raining heavily along the West Coast, hasn't it? Why don't we drop some rain? Imagine you're in a small cabin, a small cabin. It's raining outside. There's a big fire, but you can't hear it. You know what I'm saying? There's a big fire, but you can't hear it. It's just smoldering with that warm heat, you know? And you're sitting around it and you got a nice little cup of tea, right? Because you love tea. You like a nice warm beverage in a cold storm. You got a blanket around you. Maybe it's even kind of over your head. You know, and you're holding a cup, you know what I'm saying? And um, you can hear the wind outside, but you know that you're safe. And then a shaman woman comes in. She's Native American. She's burning sage. And as you drink your tea, she waves the sage, chanting quietly. Something that you don't understand, but you can tell by the beauty and the depth of her eyes that it is a sincere thing. Alas, at the same time, you look across at another elder reading a book from an ancient scroll. And it is at that moment when he concludes that I share this haiku. You can smell the sage in the room. Look at the dead sage. Always cleanses and clears you. Knowledge from the grave. What? Rewind that. Look at the dead sage always cleanses and clears you. Knowledge from the grave. <sighs> True story, right? I wrote that after having burnt sage in the room while reading works from Atar, right? So this is a sage. A sage is a, is a wise person. Right. And then you have the burnt sage. Right. Both are no longer living, but are impacting your life beautifully. The scent and aroma of wisdom, knowledge and understanding, knowledge, wisdom and understanding. You see how I mix that up? The mathematics piece of God. Um, and the, 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 the sage of the dead sage leaves 
clearing your space, clearing your mind, right? So there it is. Um, and now the chess and life strategy, okay? Real quick, um, middle game. You know, uh, on one of the last ones we talked about, the, the, on the RZA show, we talked about the opening, you know, middle game and end game of your life. And so once you go after something, you are, and you've begun it, and congratulations for starting, you are now in the middle game. And, you know, in the middle game, it is important that you do not quit. You are in the mix. You have begun with good intentions. And, you know, um, I'm not somebody who does a lot of new year resolution type stuff, but I really made sure that I was going to stay on my grind of fitness. Right. So, you know, I really, I kind of doubled down during the new year. It's not that like I have a new resolution as much as I step in with, with, with more intention. So I started working on my workouts and then actually somewhere out of nowhere, do you know your boy jacked his back up? Oh my God. Unknowingly. That's when you know you old. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like, like, you know, when you were young, like, you knew, you know, like, oh, man, what happened? Oh, you know, I'm saying I was riding the BMX and crashing into the fence or, you know, I'm saying I came down on so and so and I was dunking on him. You know what I'm saying? Um, But then they'd be like, how'd you get hurt? I, I don't know. Uh, my back. I don't, I don't know. I, I have no idea. You know, what I'm saying you, you was doing whatever you're doing and you just wake up in traction. You in the body suit. Right. You know what I'm saying? Or like back in the day, fools would be like, hey, what's up, man? You want to play hoops? You'd be like, oh, man, my knee's bothering me. Right. Nobody says my knee's bothering me anymore after like 45. You'd be like, hey, man, what's going on? Fools have a whole diagram of their body for you. They'd be like, well, the MCL uh, of the right is uh, not in balance with the LCL of the left. And therefore, or you'd be like, man, what happened to your back? And fools be talking about, you know, like, well, my L7 uh, has a partial rupture uh, and is not working in accordance with my medulla oblongata. <laughs> You're like, damn, when did this fool become Doogie Hauser? <laughs> He's known nothing about medical terms. All of a sudden, fools be hurt. But don't interrupt me. Don't interrupt me. Uh, listen to what I'm saying. Um, so I stopped jogging, right? Because my back was like, boing, and I was like, ouch. So I had to just like lay down and do yoga and just completely dedicate myself to healing because I have no idea how this happened. And so then it was time to jog again. And your boy was jogging fresh. You know what I'm saying? I had the cardio up. You know what I'm saying? I was like, uh-uh, don't call it a comeback. Uh-uh. And I'm like, oh. And so, um, <laughs> I had to start jogging again and I hated it after taking just a few days off. Cause you know, when you take a few days off, it takes some doing. So the, the first few blocks, man, I, I almost quit. I was like, you know what, man, I'm out. I'm just go to the house and chill, blood. You know what I'm saying? But I said, Nope, keep going, keep going, keep going. So you know what I played? I played lyrical boxing by Onyx. You ever listen to that song? Lyrical boxing hard. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Illa G. And then um, I played Sabotage on repeat. I will jog to one song for like an hour. It's weird. Um, But the middle game can feel awkward. That is my point. The middle game can feel dangerous. The middle game can be unfun. But you have to keep pushing through. You have to trust yourself. You have to maneuver, right? And make the best choices from what you see and believe you can do. And man, when I got back, I felt great. And everything's been fine since. My back is gravy. I'm not tripping. You see I'm out here with Ice Cube. You know what I'm saying? Leaning on that 6'4 like what? And um, things are good. 
things are good. So don't lose heart in the middle game, even if it doesn't feel good, or even if you're in pain, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it looks like you're losing, don't quit in the middle game. Don't give up on yourself in the middle game. Um, and so my healthy tip outside of being consistent with warm beverages is really this. It's to get into yoga. Hatha yoga has helped my life so much. I've done Hatha yoga, um, I don't know, since around 2000 now. Yeah, I've been doing yoga like 20 years. And I know Swami, your boy ain't levitating on nothing, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, uh, back when I first got into Zulu Nation, which I'm no longer in, but shout out to the Zulus that are doing their thing. Um, uh, there was a, a Native American 5% cat who got into the 5% nation of gods and earths while in Japan, where he was stationed in the military. And so anyway, he introduced me to a lot of the Eastern philosophy that I talk about. Shout out to Kawaim, you know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, he introduced me to a lot, like Confucianism, Buddhism, you know what I'm saying? Taoism, like he, I never ate sushi until him. He took me to eat sushi. I was like, raw fish that's gross i am addicted um and so uh that led to me once i got into jujitsu i saw the movie choke which is on uh youtube for free everybody should watch the movie choke straight up um you can even see hickson playing chess before one of his mma fights factology but anyway uh i started taking hatha yoga and that led me into meditation um, transcendental meditation, specifically TM. And, you know, I really learned that until you can sit with authority and conviction, you can never move with authority and conviction, right? Like, you know, you've got to be in tune with your breath. Hatha yoga is not crazy. I'm not talking about that hot box yoga where they try to sweat you out, make you die. I'm talking about just coordinating your breath and your movement and knowing how to be silent within yourself, right? Um, and it's deep, you know, meditation and yoga is deep. Um, RZA has a guided meditation thing. I think it's on YouTube and Spotify and stuff like that. Um, guided meditations are different. Guided meditations are when someone's kind of talking to you while you sit in silence and, and kind of follow their, their lead. Right. Um, but transcendental meditation has changed my life. It absolutely has changed my life. I, I do meditate in different ways. I've developed my own method of meditating, which I've talked about called heart meditation. Um, and I believe you need yoga and meditation in your life. I, I really believe you need transcendental meditation, um, but it's not always affordable. See, you know, if they have some scholarships going on in your area, um, but meditation is so crucial. So if you want to be better in school, if you want to kill them in hoops or football, jujitsu, you want to get on the varsity team, you're trying to paint better. You're trying to write better, you know, as an author or a poet, right? You're trying to just feel less pressure in your life. You need yoga and meditation in your life. You know, one of the things I learned back in the day was that yoga, the purpose of yoga is to prepare you for meditation. So do that. Give yourself to it. You know, trust yourself. And, um, man, you know, if you do that, you know, when you first do it, I'm gonna be honest, it feels like a waste of time. 
You know, you do your yoga and you're like, I felt like nothing. And then, you know, you meditate and you be like, oh, why was I just sitting around for like 10 minutes being quiet, whatever. But once you get into it, you will start the yoga, like you reach for something you shouldn't be reaching for, or you, you know, somebody will pass the ball and be like, hey, shoot it, bro. And you would shoot it and be like, no, right. <laughs> but it's no problem. Right. Um, and you're fine on the, on the meditation tip someone will try to set it off on you or whether it's somebody driving past you talking crazy or somebody at, at your job who gets on your nerves, like your boss or whatever, um, or even, even your parents or, or, or your baby moms will try to set it off and you just be like nothing. And you don't realize until later that it was because of the meditation and the yoga that you didn't respond in the ways that you might've normally responded. All right. And so this is a beautiful thing. I'm telling you in a, in a pandemic, you need yoga and you need meditation. And as you get older, one of the things, why did I mention Kawai Mulan? Because he gave me the Tao Te Ching, you know, um, by Lao Tzu. And, and I don't remember the line in this moment, but Lao Tzu talked about how, you know, you know, a tree is dead because when the wind blows on it, it snaps, but a living tree bends with the breeze, right? And then realigns itself right? How do you know someone's old? Because, oh, can you pick that up? No. Could you get that for me? Ah, you can't get it, huh? Right? Not making fun of people. I'm saying you need flexibility in your mind, in your body, in your spiritual heart, right? You need more flexibility, but you won't get it just sitting around. You have to move, give your limbs full spectrum motion, Move your body and your breath. I was just speaking with uh, Carla Berkowitz, who actually was the executive producer of Critical Thinking. And um, she said, you know, stretching without breathing is not yoga. It's just gymnastics. That really blew my mind. It's true. So I want you to look into Hatha Yoga. I want you to look into Transcendental Meditation. Um, at the very least, go online into Spotify and YouTube, whatever. Same tool you'll be using to watch fights and all this foolishness. In the memes, you can use to meditate, quiet your mind, coordinate your heart and your brain, right? And and go inward for some inner peace because you deserve it. These are crazy times. On that note, I'm up out of here. You know what I'm saying? I got love for y'all. This show was bonkers. We got casual from hieroglyphics. If you know anything about hip hop, if you really, um, I was I was on a hip hop since way back on Facebook. That's where I like to chop up with my homies. You know what I'm saying? And um. They were talking about who was like your favorite MC from the Bay. Casual is my favorite MC from the Bay. Now I know there's a lot of different rappers from different places at different times who've done a lot of things, but no rapper is as diverse lyrically, stylistically, and 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 intelligent to me as Casual. Straight up, straight up. Hieroglyphics, you know what I'm saying? The famous battle between him and Saphir. You know what I'm saying? If you know about battle rap, you know about that battle. And if you haven't seen the the the, the film about that, it's out now. You can catch it out on, on YouTube. I think it's just called Casual versus Saphir. I think that's what it's called. The battle, Casual versus Saphir. It's on YouTube. You need to see it. You need to understand hip-hop history. It's a beautiful thing. Me and Casual go way back. People don't understand, like, not only how long I've known him, how long he's known me, but, you know, the impact that he's had on hip hop, uh, especially in the battle space and in the, in the record record space. And you know what? Did you know this man wrote a book about hieroglyphics for real? Yeah. And we talk about that. How did he get that knowledge? How did he acquire it? Man, I'm telling you, there's a lot of knowledge, wisdom and understanding 
in this episode. You need it. Hip hop history that you need. Inspirational stuff. He said some stuff that really blew my mind. You know what I'm saying? And I know he's going to um, open and expand yours as well. So, uh, man, get ready for this conversation. And as always, before I dip, man, I'm going to say, don't forget to defend your smile. All right. Remember, smiles are like fingerprints of the soul. Nobody smiles like you. Not even identical twins. When they sit next to each other and take a picture together, their smiles are not the same. Right. And so you have to protect your joy, protect your heart, protect your brain. You know what I'm saying? And you always got to be able to look any hater in the eye and say, look, understand if my joy brings you pain, then you're going to need some Novocaine. You heard me? Protect your heart. Win the day standing on logic and love. Think, but act with compassion. Act with love. Now enjoy your week and you go be great. It's West Coast up in here. Casual in the Bishop building heavy on hip hop and mad science. You know what I mean? And that's how we do West Coast One Love. Peace of the planet Earth. You know what it is, man. A decent a bishop. Okay, it is West Coast hip hop all day, every day. This is what the hell we do. You know what it is. And so, like, you know, I can't lie to you people. Um, I'm pretty lucky. Uh, through the course of my life, I've been able to meet, let's look at them. I mean, like, in the beginning, though, which is the point, uh, 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 Easy E, uh, Tupac, uh, 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 Half Gracie. I, I, I hung out with Haleo Gracie when he was still alive. He taught me wrist escapes, bruh. Hoist Gracie, listen, mm. I, I don't know why God does it for me and not for you. I don't know. All I try to do is share the blessing, and it is in the sharing of the blessings therein that I bring to you none other than one of the coldest MCs to ever touch a microphone. Casual from Hieroglyphics West. Say, say it with me. What's up, man? What's up? <laughs> How you doing? How you been? I'm All chilling, right, man. man. Thank you for, for being on Bishop Chronicles, man. I really appreciate man. you, man. Man, whenever I can build with the bishop, I know it's going to be a good time. Come know? on, man. Come on. You know, you know, you know. So, yes, um, happy new year, man. How are you feeling? How 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 you feel about the new year as it started so far? I'm cool. Uh, when the new year was rolling in, I was wondering about our concepts of the new year. I'm like, man, what? Do, I know people set resolutions, and it's a good point to use January the 1st mm-hmm. as a reset point or what have you. But sometimes I'm like, why do we even look at it like that? Like, I could reset on January, I mean, on uh, December 28th or uh, July 10th. You, I could change my life for any given day. Uh, that's one thing uh, I had this year when rolling into the new year mm-hmm. is you know, I could always set my personal new year on any given day. You know what I'm saying? No, that's hella real. And, you know, to that point, when I was younger, I would say around like 23, 24, my whole the promise that I made to myself on whatever new year that was, is I was like, you'll never wait till New Year's to change. Mm-hmm. And and the reason was because I used to see people be like, this year I'll stop smoking. And then they didn't. And it was like, it's stage four. You're out. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, damn, you'll never know had you quit. You know what I mean? Would that have been the beginning? You know, we don't know. So I was like, yo, whenever I see like I need to just like work out, I'll start working out. Whenever I see mm-hmm. I need to like change my diet, I'll change my diet. So, you know, that's how I started. But then after living like that for years, about three years ago, I kind of figured that whatever 
I was going to do like, okay, yeah, I need to eat better, whatever the resolution is, right? I'm going to work out more. Whatever my resolution is, I'll just let the new year reinforce that, right? So I'm not, I'm not changing course. I'm just going a deeper dive. So if I'm working out already, I'll work out harder. You know what I'm saying? Whatever, whatever. So, you know what I'm saying? So far, so good, bro. Yeah. I mean, me, I'm a person who's been working on balance. And I get obsessed with projects and stuff. So if I'm working out, I might start going to the gym three times a day. And then if my focus switched to maybe a digital project or something, I find that I can't find the time to go. You know what I'm saying? So I'm working on having more balance in my life, like using the clock wisely. Like, yo, these two hours are dedicated to this. These Mm -hmm. hours are for this. And, you know, I've been working on that, you know, with this new year rolling in. I've been I've been struggling with that. You know, I've been really trying to, like, use my Google calendar. You know what I'm saying? Like, for real, like, yeah. use my Google calendar. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Use my alarm. I set alarms and be like, oh, I'm going to hook up with so-and-so. Okay, let me set that alarm. And my yeah. life is actually easier. You know what I mean? Because too many things that shouldn't that. slip by, slip by. I never yeah, did I until, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, man. Well, you know, um, it's deep, man, because I have this, I have this idea of, of, of this concept I have called the mosaic effect, right? And that is a thing where like sometimes you know people like family members, right? Close friends, and you're so close to them that you can't see all that they are because you're so close to them, mm-hmm. right? And so sometimes when I think about this interview, what's, what's troubled me is because I've, you know, been around you on and off so much in the early years and you know what I'm saying? HHCF and you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like I've been too close to you to not ask, ask you the questions that, that someone would want to ask. So I hope that these questions are, you know, is good. are good. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So first I'm just going to kind of ask you just looking at you as, as a person, like, you know, we know you're a murderous MC. We know you've, you know, you've done a lot in technology and all kinds of different stuff. But when in the beginning, before casual was known in the way that he was known, when did you realize that the world was being impacted by hieroglyphics? Like, was there like, okay, me and my boys are up here, we're doing stuff, but was there a show? Was there a moment? Was what was the thing that you were like, oh, it's actually starting to pop or it, it has popped, whatever. That's a good question. Uh, you know how it happened for us going, we all was high school friends and stuff. And it really happened with our vernacular, with the slang initially. Mm. Uh, it, it came to a point in my head, I would be like, me and my friends would make up certain words. Right. And we would, we would have only words we would use inside of our clique. And I would notice that people from other cliques in school would, use our slime Try to pull it on right to where it spread all throughout Oakland and I started learning uh somewhat of a power of, of creation or mm. whatever at that early stage right but then that same process uh replicated itself once we was released in hip-hop because we came out with a whole different slang a whole different style Ridiculous. and once people uh in hip-hop 
responded the same way that my high school peers did formerly. Like, like I was like, this is the same thing happening. Everybody rapping like us now. Everybody is, uh, and I'm not saying that. I mean, I'm saying that. You humbly. saw the ripple effect of your influence, yeah, though. Exactly. Yeah. It, 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 it taught me at that point that uh, this is real. Like, I'm mm -hmm. like, man, check this out. What you thought you was, you probably really are, because the response that you are getting from people is you know, substantiating everything you thought about the impact you have on hip hop. You know, like people ain't don't got to walk up to you and tell you how nice they think you are if you see them trying to duplicate the things <laughs> what that you're you doing. Want. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I mean, that's it fair. Takes a lot. Yeah, it takes a lot that's for a fair. man to really say to another man, yo, y'all hella nice and I'm trying to do it like y'all. Yeah, yeah, hella dudes really would not get say that. Like that. <laughs> right, right, you right, know what right, I'm saying? right. But that's when I really learned that it was making some type of impact. You know what I'm saying? That's dope, man. I mean, it's crazy to see how legendary the logo is, the impact, you know, the, the you know, we'll talk about it in a minute, but the the battle, you know what I mean? The impact of the, the battle with Saphir, you know what I'm saying? And the mm -hmm. albums you made and, mm -hmm. and, and, and the things that people remember from the Gavin ciphers and you know what I mean? Like, it's just crazy, but like, you know, part of one of the things that I try to do on the show when I bring artists on is to help expose the fan in them. Right. Because I mean, you're a master craftsman with a mm -hmm. sword, right? Like we know this, but like, but like, you know, what was like the first rap show that you went to? The first rap show that I went to was the Fresh Fest. And that it was mine too. What? You were at the Fresh at the Fest? One. Was it 86 ah! or something? Yes. At what? the Coliseum? Yes. What? I was sitting to the left of the stage. So I was, I wasn't too close to the stage. We was off to the left. So if we was oriented, that a lot of uh, hip hop people from the Bay Area was probably at that same so event. That, yo, if you were at, if you're from our generation, and you mm -hmm. missed the Fresh Fest, you mm -hmm. actually missed like epicness yeah. though. Like it wasn't just like, we're talking about like, you've been to a rap show and there's been hella people. Coliseum player. I mean like packed, you know Man. what I'm saying? Like, do you I mean, remember? Actually, go ahead, go ahead. It's not to cut you off, but I was mm -hmm. just uh, adding on what you were saying. It was packed in a way that they wouldn't even allow throughout the 90s. They only allowed that back maybe 2004, yes. 2005. But this was 85, 86. You can yo, go on about what you were yo, saying. Yo, I'm just saying, like, I remember how big the stage was, how many people there were. I had never conceived something that big and so you know like if you've ever been to, wherever you live in the world i'm sure you have a stadium so imagine that stadium is popping you got your main stage but there was a stage in the center and and there was a crowd of people between you know the big stage and the stage in the center and i remember and now it, it was a few years later i realized it was jermaine dupree but they had this one section where they had this green laser and a spiral. Do you remember? There was a green laser and a spiral and it was around, it was wrong. It was on him. And then they played some song. He was like, bah, 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 bah. He started hitting and the whole place went nuts, blood. And then oh, I remember, man. I remember that. And then I remember, I remember in one of the intermissions, I think it was after Houdini, got off the stage, you know, RIP, ecstasy, you know what I'm saying, for everything he gave to hip-hop, five minutes of funk and all of that, you know what I'm saying? Um, 
I remember it was after Grandmaster D had left the stage because I was I was really trying to be a DJ, you know, so I really paid attention to what DJs did and what people played. And I remember they played Mantronics, Fresh is the Word, like hella loud. The whole place was black. There was no, you know what I mean? It was in between. And then it was like, boom, tack, 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 boom, boom. And I remember I was like, I don't know what's happening, but this is lit. I just started screaming and everybody was like, ah. And it was just like, it was just like, no, it was fresh as the word. Yeah, it was fresh as the word, bro. Like, like that stuff is like seared into my heart. Like, unless I get Alzheimer's or I have some kind of like aneurysm, bro, like that's mm-hmm. never going to leave, bro. From that event, if I recall correctly, I kind of, because I was younger. I'm 46 Yeah, because right you're now, younger so, than me. Yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. At that day, I mean, I, I kind of remember, I just remember a lot of fights, to be honest. <clears throat> it sound like my audio glitch. Let me know. No, you good. Okay. You good. Okay. I remember a lot of ruckus that uh, it, it took me by surprise. And then <laughs> 6 9 Village was, was in the young. building. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I remember maybe Run DMC, some of Run DMC's performance, if, yeah. I'm, if I'm correct. Yeah, Other no, Run DMC that, tour. I was, like, I was probably like seven or eight at that time. So. Yo, man, I that I yeah, because I would I was like I would have been like fifteen. You know what I mean? I've been like fifteen, sixteen, and bro, like yeah. six nine Ville. I didn't know what six nine Village was, bro. And they came through there, taking everything from anybody yeah. they wanted. Yeah. And I remember waiting for my dad with my partners. <laughs> And like they can't one of these dudes had a chain remember if you go to pier 39 you know how they had the chains that'll keep you from falling out the water the big ones they yeah. were dragging some like they was gonna beat fools with these chains and they was just running up on fools taking kangos members only chains sweaters yeah. nigga everything bro and i remember i was just i had my kango and i was like oh my god please 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 do yeah. not see me. <laughs> they walk past us. Yeah, that crazy. was crazy. I was. I, I think it was one of them events where my sister couldn't go unless she took her little brother. <laughs> yeah, you got mad. I was there, but I was enjoying it anyway. But she was like, "Get out my face! You gotta be here." You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, what was? But what? Okay, so then, what was the show that you remember? Like, okay, I went to this show and they tore it up, and I was just hella juiced, like as a fan. What would Honestly, you say? Like, keep it a buck. After after that, it, it, it I didn't get to see a lot of hip hop. And next, my next experience with clubs and shows was actually when I was kind of involved in it. You were in, I was going right. out looking for other MCs who was because house parties was dead, and we was so it started with like you remember the Bird Cage or yes uh, in, in in uh Berkeley. Yep. Well, and like it skipped from that 85, 86 event to like 91. Uh, and in 90, even we were going into the bird cage in Berkeley. Right. And this was a really small club where MCs from Cal Berkeley would come in there and be rocking. And the reason why we liked it is because. The MCs from Cal Berkeley were normally from all over America. They wasn't yeah. just spitting that Oakland style. You see mm, what I mean? So you could so study. This was a, yeah, we could go to a place and build with some people who was kind of like on what we was on or what, so to speak. I was more inspired through the radio. Yeah. So in those intermediate years, it was Cape Pool mm-hmm. and it was other station we had it was i think it was like kpoo calyx kdia KDIA. (laughs) they had like a hip-hop station that they played for a minute and then it was kpoo yeah and maybe case i mean kzsu came after that but uh 
our uh, Kevy Kevnam came after that. But those yeah. were the people who was feeding me hip hop. I didn't have no other inlets, no other auxiliaries right. or whatever for right. hip hop. Until, That's deep, man. That's until deep. we went to the Berg cage. And I don't know if you got to experience the little culture that was going on there in the Bay, but it was real for real. That was some of the like first MC club where it ain't gangster. It's just right. all about lyrics and you ain't got to worry about nothing. Just be raw on the microphone. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Other I only stuff. went to the birdcage a few times because I was usually, you know, like until right before, until like 92, you know what I mean? Like I was usually in San Francisco or the South Bay, you know what I mean? Yeah. In those scenes, because the South Bay had a bigger club scene. So, yeah, you know, and I, I tell me, tell me, what was hip hop in the South Bay? What was the venue at about the 90s? Yo, let me tell you, first of all, I think to this day, San Jose is underrated as a city in its contributions to hip hop. And that's because of their club venue and their car culture. So when I first started going to San Jose, it would have been like 1986. So this is the same time as, as Fresh Fest, right? Yeah. They had a club for teenagers called Mothers. I could never get to Mothers. Everybody used to go to Mothers but me. But I used to be crying. My mom's wouldn't let me go to Mothers, <laughs> bro, because I always got bad grades. So then this other spot opened up called Studio 47. Mm-hmm. There's nobody in the world that'll tell you that's from my generation that'll tell you that studio 47 wasn't everything. Okay. Mm. Studio 47 was a dual age club. So it was 16 to 20 on one half of the room and 21 and over on the other. They had a wall. They had a wall that'd be like shoulder height from shoulder up. It was glass. So you could see people's faces only. It ran down the center of the club. Teenagers came in on one side, adults came in on the other side. Listen to me. MC Hammer, Rodney Owen, Joe Cooley, uh, Mix-A-Lot in the early days. I'm talking about everybody's rapping about welfare lines. I'm talking about early Mix-A-Lot, not, you know, Baby Got Back Mix-A-Lot. You know what I'm saying? Posse's on Broadway, you know, and before. Bro, crazy. And the car culture was nuts. So they had Story and King, which was cruising. Right. And that's where all the essays would show up. Be hitting, you know what I'm saying? And then the cars would be out so big and the muscle cars. And then they had the uh, the Jeeps, you know, what I'm saying like the Suzuki Samurai Jeeps. Remember when that was a thing? And then uh, so you had a row of clubs. You had Studio 47. That was like where the teenagers would be. But then you had like Paradise Beach, this other one called DB Coopers, bruh. Like, and all the 49ers used to go to DB Coopers. So all the super grown fine women used to run up into DB Coopers, but then everybody couldn't get in. And like the culture was bananas. I'm talking about graffiti was lit. Like it wasn't just club, I mean, graffiti was lit. MCs was lit. Dancers was lit. There would be be dance battles inside Studio 47, like all the time and crews. It was nuts, man. It was nuts. And so like that culture was bananas in San Francisco. um, I just remember one off stuff. San Francisco used to have a real dangerous club called the Solar System in HP and Hunter's Point. And the outside of it was painted like a galaxy and it was really dope. But what they would do, bro, is uh, (laughs) so like. Like you would go in, let's say you went in, right? You was all fresh to death, had your fresh jacket or your gold chain, whatever, bro. And what they would do is they'd be like, oh, fresh chain. That was the indication that you were getting robbed later. 
right? Yeah, basically. Because <laughs> yep. that's a fresh chain, right? <laughs> oh, thanks, Plow. Yep. <laughs> you go in, yep. and when you come out, <laughs> give me that. Basically. So, like, the yeah. solar system had a lot of dope shows over there. And then there were just, like, hang spots. So, like, in Hunter's Point specifically, and everybody don't remember this just because uh, it's not there anymore, but there was a burger joint called TikToks. TikToks was this big, had a big whale, like a big neon sign of a whale. They had some kind of stupid fish burger, but everybody just bought the regular hamburgers, whatever. But dude, MCs, people that made beats, they would pull up and just pop the trunk. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was crazy. You know what I'm saying? It was an outdoor, indoor type. Yes, bro. Yes. It was all outdoors. Like, you could just buy, it was all bulletproof glass. You get your burger, sit outside, be in the lot. It was like, it was, it was like giant burger. You know what I'm saying? So TikToks was in, was in Hunter's Point. So like you, you know, like you go to, you go to, you go there and just vibe out and people will come through from Oakland, from anywhere and just play dope stuff and just chill out. Oh, you make beats too? It was crazy, bro. You know what I'm saying? And then you had like, I know you probably remember some of these record stores, but I don't know how long they, you remember like Tease Wauzy? Remember mm-hmm. Tease Wauzy records? So like Tease yeah. Wauzy, they had a lot of different spots. And you, because hip hop was yeah. so small, you could get, you could meet other people. Like if you went over to the hip hop area and then you see some dude with a Kango, you'd be like, what's up? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then you just start yeah, like yeah. vibing and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, you know, but the club scene of San Jose was out of control. Um, they had a lot of dance crews out of San Jose that were also out of control. Um and so that's where I tended to be between there. And then fast forward to like 91, that's when like the Kennel Club is popping. Then that's when like, uh, do you remember One Up? You remember One Up? That was a big uh, club in San Francisco. I got on San Jose, San Jose with the Beehive. No. Yeah. The, the Cactus the Club. Sweat. Cactus Club. Uh, yeah, that was one too. But they had this club I would party at. I forgot. I think it was called the Beehive. But that was you know, like that early sounds, 90s. That sounds about early. right. You know what I mean? Because they just had so many clubs. And I think yeah. that that was a huge thing. But then the cops shut down all the cruising and it kind of ruined. Once once they shut down the cruising, San Jose, yeah, it, even though it it's still strong, it, yeah, it messed it up. You know what I'm saying? So, like, when you think about yourself as an MC and a performer, what is a show that you did that you'll always remember? And this could be, like, because you perform with other people, because the crowd was hell of into it. Like, mm-hmm. what what? tell me some shows that really just, like, Man, I had some good was ones. I had some. I was like, damn. I had one Miami show. It wasn't even the biggest show, and it was just so high. The crowd was so into the what casual year was music it? that uh at relatively recently, maybe uh 2016, But some of that sh- uh, it was just how much the crowd was in the casual at that show. I really appreciated it. But some monumental shows that I performed, I got to rock with uh, Run DMC in Kansas City uh, with the High Road crew, and that always stuck with me. Uh, I got to rock with Big Daddy Kane and share the backstage, and oh I didn't even God. feel good. I didn't even share the backstage. I was like, I'm not taking up the backstage with Big Daddy. Like, let him Come have on. a whole backstage. Yeah. I'll wait out here. You feel me? Yeah. I really was doing that. Like, no, Bro. y'all gonna have him mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, nope, I'm gonna wait outside. And this is what... uh I did go in there just to like get some juice, and then I was like, I'm going right, back right. out. It do say my name. It got our name split right, on the slashed. door. Right, right, right. 
I'm like, that ain't right. Y'all didn't do this right. Big Daddy right. need his own room. I'm gonna give him his own room. But this is what took me by surprise. When I when I went in to get my juices, he called me by my name. And I was like, Big Daddy Tang just called me casual. I didn't think he would know nothing about me. He was like, what's up, casual? And I was like, oh, <laughs> you feel me? Like I fanned up for a minute. Yeah. And so that performance was at Scribble Jam, probably 2004. Hold on. Or say, something. say that again. Scribble, Scribble Jam. Jam. Yeah, For those no youngsters, bro, mm -hmm. who don't understand that only the most savage, not only mm -hmm. MCs, but fans showed up. You know what I mean? Like Scribble Jam yeah. had fans in the know. You couldn't be some, hey, what's going on here today, guys? Like, yeah, you, if you were at Scribble Jam, you knew. And it was one of the real first, uh, like, hip-hop festivals Ooh. early on before Day Pay Dudes and all that. Rock the there Bells, was, right. Yeah, before Rock the Bells, there was actually Scribble Jam, you know what I'm saying? YouTube those battles, kids. YouTube those Yo, battles. I think that's... that's if I'm, no, Eminem Juice didn't happen there, dude. That was there. Yeah, that's where I that learned was, about that Eminem. That's where I learned. And I, I'll never forget one of the coldest battle moments. And I I feel bad because I don't remember the guy he was battling. But when I was when I discovered, you know, who Eminem was, he was mm -hmm. battling this dude, black dude, light skin, had dreads. And he was dope. There was nothing really wrong with him as an MC. But at some point in the battle, Eminem... The dude had a, had a just a basic gray T-shirt on. It said Army, like one you just might get, you know, after you registered or, you know, was in, got out of basic training or something. And somehow in the middle of the battle, Eminem took the A-R-M-Y and made it an acronym for some shit and like ethered that dude. He was like, hey, R-M-Y and you are blah, blah, blah. And everybody was like, oh my God. <laughs> that sounds about right you know what I'm saying <laughs> he told me he dragged that fool and I was like oh no I was like you ain't coming back from that dog you know what I'm saying like that was crazy yeah. so yeah. um, and that leads me into I love the documentary about the Saphir battle Ah, that well, was thank you for uh featuring in the man. Thank you for having me. No, man, like you know, and the reason is, you know, you know, again, full transparency, <laughs> you might see me, but um, that was such a historic moment for the wake up show, for you, for Saphir, for Hyro, for hip hop, and the radio. Like, if you look at all of the you know what I'm saying? Yep. Things that that were affected by that battle, how real it made the bay, how um, how serious the world had to take us as a yeah. as a region, right? Like, yeah. tell me about uh, the creation of that documentary and why you you well, you, you how, tell me about how it got made. I, I'm curious to know a, that a lot of that was made with uh, just on Shamari's own you know, creative impulse. He wanted to put that uh, documentation together and it came out pretty good. That's great. Uh, one thing I will say is how you 
just broke down all the layers that that one moment spawned from from that mm -hmm. battle to the wake up show having a battle on there every Friday mm -hmm. for the next two years mm -hmm. because of that one moment through their ratings through the screen and then we get things like uh, lyricist lounge that Man. that moment helped to spawn and all yeah. these freestyle shows that start coming on MTV. Well, a part of presenting the documentary is also learning how to monetize our kind of flicks in this day mm, and age. Speak you know on it. Not, not just like having some screaming debunkle that don't help either party, <laughs> but other people know how to exploit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Other people like, oh, this is good for viewership. Oh, this yeah. is good for... Ooh, I could bring in some advertisers, yes. but you just so enraged by the moment that you never get the uh, monetary benefit of all the attention mm -hmm. that you just created for these certain platforms. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, hey, I don't care if it's 20 years later, let's drop that battle documentary because now it's out forever and now it's another way for us to monetize a conflict that happened 20 years ago you know what i'm saying man it was it was so great and i think the, the reason why and and shout out to uh alex d you know what i'm saying like you know that that's my dude you know what i'm saying like yeah. love that dude forever and and shamari yeah, did a man. great job everybody everybody did a great job with that but like like um I think as hip hop becomes more and more digital, right? And I remember, you know, being a hip hop historian, being a journalist, being a serious student of the art, you know what I mean? And and being a, being an MC for, for a short period of time, like I was always trying to document with like real in, 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 in intention, you know what I mean? Like this, this, oh, this is important, you know, this is important. That moment was, was, was super important. And, and I think like, even as you spoke, you know, it was triggering in me, like how that moment made the wake up show, the proving ground for the value of MCs. That was the litmus test. If you were any good at all. Yeah. And that's yeah. because y'all brought so much to the uh uh to the occasion that to 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 come to the wake up show with anything less you'd be wasting your own time you'd be wasting your own You're you know the truth yeah that's crazy that's crazy i mean oh. i felt a certain type of way about it back in the late 90s like man i didn't position myself the best way to uh to gain from those events monetarily. Like, okay, mm -hmm. if you're going to have battles every Friday after this point, then bring me back on and let me right. be the judge. Let me set it. Yeah, because yeah. I'm the one. It was my battle that set this off. Or let yeah. me answer fear. Fear, yes, that way exactly. We both monetarily incorporated. Mm -hmm. But again, you know, that was just Hindsight. me being young. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, not knowing how to incorporate myself in it the right way. And man, shout out to Safir too, because I really yeah. felt that a, a lot of the beauty in the in the documentary was that it not only told the story, but I think it humanized both of you. You know what I mean? That it made you human beings. You know, like when you talked about when he came to your house and you was came out like what? You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's how stuff really pops off. You know what I mean? When when yeah. human beings go back and forth, and I just thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Man. And he cre he really did create the personal because I can't think of nobody before that who took a real. I mean, you know, before that, that was, battle, yeah, he hit me with that punch, and I felt it <laughs> at the battle. I was I was thinking like, oh, he used that against me. <laughs> and, <laughs> 
And so he was sharp for creating that. He got wit. You, you know, know what I'm saying? saying? And yeah. um, no, nah, man, there was there was there was so much about that that was great. This brings me to my next point. And I saw some people talking about this on Facebook and people were going back and forth. Um, no, this was on Instagram. It was, it was almost related. But on Instagram, people were talking about the Bay Area and why it never blew the way a lot of people said that it should in terms of the industry of hip hop and the industry of rap specifically. And this particular individual, and I really don't remember, so nobody on Instagram say I was hating because I literally don't remember. It was like a week or two ago. And someone said, well, the problem was, no, I think it was somebody said that a, a, an artist said that Bay Area management has never been on par. And so that a lot of the Bay Area artists never got the, the cultivation that they deserve. They never got the, you know what I mean? The, the industry support, et cetera. And so that if people from the Bay really hope to blow up, that they were going to need to start, you know, dealing with more people in LA or New York or whatever. And so people were saying, oh, that's not true, you know, da 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 da. And I said, well, look, you know, the Bay Area always had independent hustle, right? Um, I remember the mob music era when everybody in every hood had a label. I remember the compilation times. I remember when, you know, Hyrule was killing everything, right? But I said, you know, we never had the actual infrastructure. Right. We had the hustle, but we never had the infrastructure. It was, people were going back and forth. When you think about the Bay Area and remember, you know, there was the Gavin, the Gavin conventions. I mean, that was a golden time from like, let's say, like 1990 to 96. I mean, that was a murderous year and, and in turn, a great murderous year to be from the Bay. Why do you think the Bay never became the other L.A. or the other New York? That's a good question. But we also got to think about it outside of hip hop too, right? Because the Bay has simply been the Bay throughout funk music, throughout mm -hmm. soul. It's been this little creative place that everybody knew had hitters that never really truly got there, got uh, exploited all the way. We can go to the Tower of Power, Sly and the Family Stone. These are some of the coldest. Bands Holy and everybody bro. knew it, but they never was all the way on like James Brown or uh, right, right, or and so it like Rick James and his band and the way that they exactly. got you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So a lot of it got to do with situationing. Uh, 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 mm -hmm. I mean, the way the artist situation ge situated geographically, because before the internet too. I would have to agree with some of those who said we didn't have management in place. I'm not going to say it wasn't in place. I would say we wouldn't have those experienced key players who were out there looking to. Right. I couldn't find them. Uh, right, right. I, we had to make our manager out of a homeboy, and we yeah. all had we all had major label contracts in in a normal environment business environment. Uh, musical business environment, if you got four bands that got major label contracts, management going to be coming towards them to try to see if they can mm -hmm. sign them up. But these type of things wasn't happening for us because we was in the Bay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and we decided to stay in-house. Because if we was right. in L.A., I know we would have been getting ran up on, like, you just signed a job. Who your manager? Who your manager? Right. Let right. me handle this. Right. You know what I'm saying? True. But That's those true. characters 
with that experience weren't making themselves av- if they did exist in the bay they weren't making right. themselves right. available or known and so all the big hitters at about that time think about who, think about the actual names of the people we would be having to try to deal with it would all I would hear is stuff about like Foster and McElroy. Foster like, and this, McElroy. And the, you remember? Yeah. And like, if you was trying to come up in the Bay in the nineties, you heard these names. You know hey, what I'm saying? Hey, uh, real. And, and and I was like, I don't got too many in routes through those roads. So we yep. built what we had for uh from internally. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's hella deep, man. That's hella deep. Now I gotta turn it over to. You know, a lot of people, of course, know me outside of my writing stuff for, you know, Hip Hop Chess Federation. But very few of y'all know that one of the origins of the Hip Hop Chess Federation. Like I had the concept, but then I went to the high row hideout and casual was there. And there was a chessboard, <laughs> And we had a game. Or two. Did we have two games? Yeah, we had a couple games. Yeah, we had a couple games. And I was like, blah, this is what I'm trying to do. You know, blah, blah. So he was like, all right, you know, if you put it together, I'll come through. And then we had our first event in San Jose. Our official first event happened at the MLK Library in San Jose. We actually got kicked out because, remember, we was making hella noise. We had a DJ in a library. We had a <laughs> DJ. We had hella people. It was Manny. Kevy Kev was up in there taking heads. Uh, Denny Prokopos, one of the great fighters, was up in there. Uh, uh, Luke Stewart, MMA, Half Gracie Murder. Uh, we had so many different. The Brown Berets was up in there. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was yeah. crazy. Uh, we even yeah. had, uh, man, we had some chess murders in there. And I was running around. I was going to go against casual and then casual was not showing. So I was like, casual's about to leave me dangling, bro. He's really about to leave me dangling. <laughs> and then casual walks into the San Jose library. <laughs> and I don't remember what was happening, but in that moment, I couldn't actually, I don't remember what the hell was going on. They were getting ready to kick us out or something. So I did something crazy and i said hey play my son yeah (laughs) (laughs) you was too busy to get the game going so you have me play your seed you feel me like i'm gonna get you like this but you put me in the that was another chess game you played right there. Because I'm like, oh man, I can't beat the youngster, but then I can't take I can't the lose. I can't I gotta take the show him. I can't lose or I can't win. You feel me? But I should have just beat him all out and just be like, go get your dad. You should have this is your king, right? You should have you should have did that. But my young son, who like his father, has game. Came out on the on the W, you know, in large part to Casual's kindness. No, he's not not necessarily. He actually <laughs> earned that. I gotta give it to him. I wasn't trying to think too hard, but I wasn't taking. Yeah, it. yeah, you uh, wasn't bringing it. You I wasn't. wasn't you wasn't easy, crossing him you know? up in the paint. He did some <laughs> smart stuff. He did some yeah. smart stuff and and got the advantage and never let up. Yeah, yeah. So so. Um, that is one of like the games played uh, at the High Row Hideout Studio. What do you call that place? What is it? The the lab? Oh, yeah, we just call it the building. That? That's what we call Yo, it. Yo, like 
like HHCF's roots are largely connected to high road because of that. And a lot of people don't know that the games that me and him played and we were just laughing, playing, talking crazy. Like that was, that was the big, that was a lot of the beginning of HHCF being real. Like, you know, that mm. movement from, Oh, what if hip hoppers played and we did a woo, woo you know what I mean? And that turned yeah. into you playing with RZA and Jizza. Paris came, yeah. uh, 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 um, um, who else was there? Uh, uh, Sunspot Jones. You know what I'm saying? Like, bro, like that was a dope, you know, moment in hip hop. And so I just wanted to thank you for, you know, not just being a player partner of mine, but but encouraging me to 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 try to make it happen and then participating, man. Like, I deeply appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, I enjoyed that. it, man. You know, I enjoyed it a lot. And remember, I was working in the youth centers a lot at that time. Yeah. So. It was good for me to be able to expose kids from the hood to chess too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Cause you were over there at um Youth Uprising. Right by Castleman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Youth Uprising, man. You know what I'm saying? So no, that was beautiful, man. No, I appreciate you. So now I want to talk about some rap stuff. We know I'm gonna weave in and out. You know I'm good. It's good. So today I was listening to a song by I think it's produced by Static Skelter. It, it, it had it had Raekwon, Joey Badass, and Black Thought on it. I'm okay. forgetting the name of it right now. May Allah forgive me. When I t- tell you, and it's not even a new song. I think it was out of the year or two back. Bro, Black Thought on that verse was in rare form dog and he marks mics like this is not news you know what i'm saying that particular verse though struck me ray ray kwan's too not to say that joey badass wasn't wasn't handling business but there was something about that black thought that really got me and then you know i was like oh damn you know you you're getting ready to talk to casual today now i'm going to tell you some of the people that i as a fan of battle rap would like to see you go against and black thought is at the top of that list. Okay. I <laughs> would love rock with you mean like, you know what? let's say rock with. Yeah. Let's say rock with. Cause they, yeah. Cause battle now. And that's true. It's funny. Cause up I, the energy. Yeah. The energy yeah, of battle has, you know what I'm saying? I would rather see you rock with, cause that would actually bring more out. Cause if it's a battle, there's things that people won't do. But if, if, yeah. if you're going to rock and cypher, right. I, I would love to see you rock with black thought. Uh-huh. It's killing me that I've never seen you and Eminem in the same room. You know what I'm <laughs> me saying? Too, right? Um, have you ever ciphered with KRS One? Uh, I have never had a cipher with KRS One. Now, uh, all those old jive years, it wasn't cool like that. He wasn't friendly to us. Yeah. Now, can you tell me about that? Because I remember there was a show in the Mission yep. District. Crazy. You talk about hip hop energy. Yep. I mean, at the yep. peak, boy. Well, bro. So this was in the cuts. It was in a warehouse. It was packed to the gills. It was KRS-One, High Row, which you would have thought on paper being on Jive would have been like a fantastic yep. right display of East-West unity and blah, blah, blah. But I'm not trying to hate on anybody. I'm just trying to tell you, if you don't know, like the media used to really not have love for East West. Like they, they, nobody holds East Coast hip hop media accountable for what they did to damage hip hop between coasts, even though it was already there. But, but that particular show, if I remember correctly, and I used to talk with A plus about this a lot, um, 
am I right or I'm old that KRS wanted to headline but didn't want to go before you and it turned into like just some weird energy stuff? Right. Yeah, he did some old school trick that people used to do to, to upstage you. Basically, you're a new up and coming act and he's the headliner, you know what I'm saying, that everyone came to see. Right. That's supposed to go on at the end of the night. Right. Well, he was like, nah, I'm not going on at the end of the night. I'm going on now. Let's see if you guys can go on after me. Right, with the intention being like, I'm going to ether the whole stage. Everybody's going to want to leave, and then you show up, and then everybody's like, Yeah, that took place, but it was, and then he said this on what? He was like, you remember that song? He came out right after that. He said, the disc show in the Frisco disco was something like a Nabisco cookie. You effing rookie. I remember that. That's it what never, he was talking about. Oh Nobody my God. else knew, but oh you had to think. He was like, that disco, yo, in the Frisco disco was something like a Nabisco cookie. You effing rookies. Hey, so but you know like, what's crazy? You guys destroyed that set that night. Uh, yeah, I remember that was no happen. one left the building. So when Chris yeah. left, when he finished, because I was like, now you are giving me straight total recall. I remember if you were facing the stage, I would have been to the right. I was standing with my Filipino Muslim partner because, you know, that's when the whole like pro-black Muslim thing. He was Filipino. Yeah, yeah, alaikum. Yeah. We vibing out. Watching. Chris comes out. Jamalski comes out, but bye bye, but bye bye, but bye bye, doing his thing, right? They leave, and I was like, that don't make no sense. And but I noticed no one left. The place was so packed. Mm-hmm. The weed smoke was still billowing, and then Hyro came out and killed it. And, and I, I know think that as night, an artist, that must have stabbed him a little bit. Was it the souls? Just the souls. <sighs> Now you're messing with my total recall. I don't think recall. it was a whole. I think it was just it a song right. show, but we souls. was all there. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. I don't remember rapping sense. that night. I just remember supporting. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. But I remember everybody all night was like, "Why was KRS? What was? Whoop, whoop, whoop. You know what I mean?" Mm-hmm. And so, dang. So like, did that cause? So, so did that mean in general? Uh, and I'm not trying to stir up nothing. Did you guys not do shows together in general after that moment, or was oh, Jive there... was Jive was there to witness that too? Right. You gotta realize we had execs who was like, "Oh, this is crazy." Right. Even at that event, they like, "Why are he doing this?" And so you notice they wouldn't hook us up with KRS no more. They hooked us up with Tribe Called Quest after that. And so the souls started. I mean, if that moment would have get good, they probably would have had us. Because right. I fit with KRS better. Totally. And fit with Tribe Called Quest better. Totally. So if that moment would have walked out, uh, I probably would have been opening up for shows for KRS yeah. One. And that would have been a dope. That would have been great, uh, right? That would have been great, man. But he you know? wasn't liking us, and I understand. Like you know, we hip hop, we got egos. I I never took you no know, feelings to that. I just mm-hmm. be like, I could I could be the same way too. Like we mm-hmm. could rock our careers like that, and then people would never benefit from us. 
right. ever even doing nothing. But we never been connected to even be talking about each other. We only were connected at those points in times where we were a lot younger. And but right. Kenny Parker has always been a friend to High Row. He always looked out. I've always uh, heard good know, things about Kenny Parker. I don't think I, I think yeah. I met him in passing at one of the Gavins, but we never vibe. You know what I mean? Like we never connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, man, that's crazy. That's crazy. You know, I would love to see. I, you know, when I saw after uh, Sean Price passed away, and I saw a video about how he had wanted to do a song with you, you wanted to do a song with him, but it. Can you tell that story? Because he's oh, one of man, my favorite man. MCs, man. Oh man, he's one of my favorite too. It's certain yeah. MCs that use their brain in the way him and Doom both rest in peace. They rest use their peace. brains in this way that make them appear like comic book characters are. Know. You know, they're bigger than life in the regard that they espouse the things that they're doing uh, in a way that you know what I'm saying. They seem like uh, comic book characters to you. you feel I know, me? and so uh, Sean. Price was one of those MCs who had that effect on me. Uh, I can always see the cartoon caricature of him mm -hmm. whenever mm -hmm. he's rapping, smashing something. Yeah. Or yeah. Somebody <laughs> in the face. Here comes the metal well, beard. You know? Well, yeah. Well, we both, you know, he, he said I was one of his favorite MCs and that, that was one of my thrills. And so we, we started talking about working on a project and uh, I don't know if I went about it right, but I just sent him like four tracks. We should have brought other producers Vibe, in on right, it, but right. we we just start building on what we was building on. I thought he didn't like the material I sent him. He was taking time sending it back to mm, me. But mm. what happened, Planet Asia told me, he said the material, he said I was kind of over rapping. He was like, man, he rapping so hard on that. I don't even know what to send back. And so we had delays that uh, caused us not to work and then i start working on a project he started working mm, on another project and back. it just faded back yeah wow. but again every time he came to the bay i was there at the shows because that was my dude and we was working and he's a jewel that uh we gonna miss you know what I'm and saying? i uh i uh my boy fanatic on beats who, who works a lot with architect shout out to crown jewels um Fanatic and I, we actually, uh, two summers back, we used to teach at some high school uh, and a junior high in, in Castro Valley and in, in, in the Mission District. And uh, every time we would leave when we were done teaching, because he was teaching, he was teaching beat making and I was teaching hip hop history and he was like my TA and we would like tag team breaking stuff down for the kids. It was amazing. That was one of my favorite. I've taught a long time, but that was one of my favorite times teaching. And we would we would come out and uh, as soon as we got in the car, I'd be like, you know what I want to hear? <laughs> He'd be like, yeah. And we would just play Sean Price, man. And we'd just be mobbing yeah. through, man. Like Sean Price is yeah. amazing, you know. And I always also liked, um, I mean, Talib Kweli goes without saying, most deaf. Um, Daz and Corrupt. You know what I'm saying? Um, have you ever got to rock with with with, with Snoop or any of any of the dog pound dudes or whatever? Uh, me, I have. I'm a bit more like a hip hop humor hermit. So yeah. the mischief got Snoop on their last record, and but honestly, I I even personally, I'm not one who like to like really uh, socialize. I I don't know why. You're so an introvert. You are an introvert. All the rappers, well, all the rappers be there. Mm -hmm. I just. Nah. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because I, I had a few bad experiences with trying to open myself up to people and getting played and stuff. Right, and right. And like, see, I knew not to do that. I knew, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I think what those defense mechanisms I got up held me back a little bit because there were mm. opportunities when people was right in my face and we both just stood there Kept and chilling, talk. you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just yeah because yeah. we both was probably in our head like, I'm not about to break the ice or whatever. All right. right. And so, you know. Man, no, nah, and it's real. Life life happens like that, you know what I'm saying? Um, One thing I wanted to run by you, which, 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 you know, on top of my admiration for you uh, as an MC has been the fact that you're uh, a legit author, man, you know? Right. And, you know, I have to say this now, this is something, anyone who listens to Bishop Chronicles has heard me say this. I'm never going to stop saying this. So, you know, like, are you going on that again? Yes, bro. He's going on that again. Uh, here it is. You know, People always said that rappers were dumb and that hip hop was stupid. And then sociologists discovered that anytime you had a culture that was literary, they started with a strong oral culture. So from any strong oral culture, you will always end up with a strong written culture. And I remember when people used to be on old school TV, because I'm a little bit older than you, Phil Donahue, Oprah Winfrey, all the little time magazines and whatnot. They would always talk about how dumb hip hop was, how it wasn't music, whatever. And now you see all these books coming from hip hop, right? You see your book, RZA's book, you see Jay-Z's book. You know what I'm saying? Every time you turn around, another rapper has become an author and all these kids are reading it and I think it's amazing. But your book is about Egyptology, right? Your book is about, your book is about comedic science. Your book yeah. is about uh uh black spirituality yes sir yes sir magi yeah. vanguards of kemet yeah jonathan yeah. owens as the author 2015 mm -hmm. i need you to tell me what inspired you to make that book and when did you start looking going from being in hieroglyphics to mm -hmm. studying them what was that and then where was the pivot from that to actually writing the book well, that's a, those are a lot of good questions. I love to answer. One thing I was I had an epiphany one day. Like we calling ourselves hieroglyphics. Which one of us know anything about the hieroglyphs? And I was like, one day that's going to be used uh, negatively against us. And you know, I think sometimes there's a divine appointment or whatever that I was in a group called Hyro and I eventually became one of the few black men out here today who can help us understand what the language means. Mm. Sometimes you never know what your path is, but I was drawn to uh, the metal nature as if it was my vocation, mm. as if it was what I was naturally just supposed to be doing. You know what I'm saying? And, and this is the crazy part about it. Since we was Hiro, I bought my first Egyptian dictionaries, which weren't the most credible. Right. I bought like E.J. Wallace Budge dictionaries. Yeah, but I, I remember. bought them in the 90s. I bought them like when we chose the name Hieroglyphics. You remember them? The hey, first hey, if you was really about that life, mm -hmm. Wallace E.A. But come on now. <laughs> Come on now. Hey, wow. But see, that was the beginning stages of uh, 
coming into the metal nature. And once we learn now, we don't even use that material because mm -hmm. he made so many mistakes right. and doing things. But again, it was the introductory level. It was the most common book that you could find on Egyptian grammar. So I bought that book just because when we came up with the first name hieroglyphics, I was like, let's choose, you know, at one point in high school, mm. we was like, let's choose some Egyptian names just to have mm. some, some mm. nicknames some extra on right after. Right, right. But I, I was intimidated by the actual study of the grammar. I just would go through the dictionary, but I right. never would try to figure out. Later on, a few years later, maybe 10 years later, uh, I started, so I, I, my studies began in about 2010, actually, mm. maybe 2009. Mm. I started perusing the information. 2010, I started coming up with all kind of mathematical equations to where I could gain knowledge from. I started thinking, well, I'm not going to learn this in no school, right? right? And so what I did was uh, I, I, I broke down what a, First, I would say to myself, well, what is a credit? Because I want to be accredited by my own standard. Mm. And so I looked into uh, college syllabuses and how they work to mm. figure a credit was just one to three hours of study on that uh, subject. And then I looked to see how many credits would uh, be a semester for myself. Literally, then I, I did this. Bro. It was like 96 credits. So I wrote, I said, well, this is a slow pace of information for me because I'm going to sit in front of this computer and at I least 12 deep. hours a day where I'm getting four credits a day if right. I'm looking at their if that's the, to, Yeah, to by your standards. Much, yeah, right. my information intake. And it really worked because after like two or three years of really sitting in front of computers for eight to 12 hours a day, trying to keep up with people who I wanted to be my peers, mm -hmm. but they already knew this information, mm -hmm. but I couldn't dialogue with them mm -hmm. because I always got shut down because it was stuff I hadn't read yet. Right. You know what I was like? And that's right. That's one thing I just put just a quick jewel. Like before you start speaking on a subject, First, peruse all the information that's out there on that subject because you can't take no scholarly standpoint. Somebody just going to point you to somebody who already discussed everything you think you're talking about at that moment and you showing them that you have not even went over that material yet. So yeah. I was running into that a lot. Mm. People be like, oh, you haven't read this? Then I'm yeah. like, let me shut up. Get my reading in before I try to start talking about what I know about the metal nature. And it wasn't just my inclination to want to start talking about it. No, I feel But you. you do have to remember in the early 2010s, Facebook came out and these new groups start being formed on the internet yep. where we would have these discussions. Yeah, before that's true. It would be the chat rooms on Egypt, Egypt now or yeah, wherever yeah, yeah. in different <clears throat> places. But uh, I was just drawn to that information. And then I met a lot of good teachers. I met the author, Asar Imhotep, mm. uh, who's a very good author. And, and I also met the author, uh, Ujahu, uh, a brother who wrote uh, a book on how to understand metal nature. And wow. we were in a, uh, a debate group or a study research group called the Amin Ra Squad, right. in which we addressed certain Pseudo I remember, so I remember when you was, when yeah. you was, I remember those days. Yeah, exactly. And so rolling with them dudes, 
one thing we was always, they always was like, yo, you can't just be around talking. Like, what are you working on? Mm. Are, are you working? Are you writing anything? This is always a standard to be right. amongst the Iron raise Rock the, squad. Raise the bar. And that right. helped me produce my work, my first book, because I all they never wanted to debate. They'd be like, you're not about to sit here and just talk to me because you watch the YouTube. Write it down. And here is my uh, here's my uh, argument. And they hit you with 13 right. pages. And so I told myself, oh, they don't know who they messing with. I'm a writer already, but I'm just writing raps. Now I'm about to learn how to not have to rhyme, and it's going to be way easier. Right. And so I started producing material in response to them. And they'd be like, Okay. Really this. Like, and then I learned how to source correctly. I never been right. to college. And so yeah. y'all learned in college how to cite your sources. But if you don't know how to cite your source properly, they got two or three different standards right. of Ways how to cite that. a source. You know what I'm saying? I had to learn this because they kept swatting me down. Right. And so this is how when you they say the dudes you hang around can either better you or worsen you. This is a good example of how meeting dudes through the internet helped me come into the man I am man. today. You know what I'm saying? That is a beautiful story. And, and I'm so proud of you, man. And like, like on the real, bro, because like you know, I think that we're still not understanding how hip hop is going to empower the planet. We're still not understanding because it's a real time explosion, right? Mm -hmm. So we can't see what's happening in New York. New York can't see what's happening in Amsterdam. Amsterdam can't see what's going on in Senegal, but it's all, you know, going off. And I think that in the future, the books by you and a lot of other MCs and a lot of the journalists and authors from, from, from this time will be having a huge impact on how um, education goes down, on how Word. national and public policy, you know, and, 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 and domestic policy goes down, you know, how schools run. I think we're really going to see that. Well, I mean, we won't see it in our lifetime, but that the seeds that we are planting and have planted, not just in the music, but in the books and in the magazines and in these kinds of videos will, mm -hmm. will, will have a, a massive impact on people, man. But I just, I just I, wanted to tell you, I, I, I hope so. That. You know, I hope so. Thanks for the salute. And uh, I really do hope that uh, it has the opportunity to make that impact because I published it. And that's why more of us need to publish it. But if it does make that impact, that would validate me. And what would they, uh, you know, it would help me even further because uh, yeah. I like disseminating information and that's what we like to do. So, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. That's deep, man. Now, in closing, man, um, you know, you like to do archery a lot and you like fishing a lot, you know? Um, and these are m most of my friends that I really trust that I know are hella smart are, are archers and fishers. I wanted mm -hmm. to know, what do you get from that? Cause you've always done it. And I also know Sway and Tech mm -hmm. and them like to do a lot of fishing and stuff. Um, yeah. And I so, get a lot from both, you know, like tell me what, what they, what, what you get from that. Well, let me uh, build on that. I'm thank glad you asked because it ties back into what we were just talking about. Uh, my book is called Magi, uh, uh, the, uh, a handbook for the conscious community. But if you read the title, it says Magi, the Vanguards of Kemet. Uh, if anyone knows the history of the actual Magi, these were Nubians, Nubian archers who protected Egypt. See, Egypt really didn't protect Egypt. They hired Nubians 
uh, our uh, Africans from Sub-Saharan Africa to who were skilled with the uh, bow and arrow. And so, again, another thing like don't talk about it, be about it, just like with the hieroglyphs. Mm -hmm. I feel like I couldn't be in hieroglyphics without knowing something about hieroglyphs. Mm -hmm. I felt like I couldn't represent uh, the Magi without uh, put, getting to a level in my with my skill in archery to actually represent what uh, true Africans like myself mm -hmm. did and, you, and were proud of. And, and so... Actually, if you want to look into the history, they were known as the eye smiters <clears throat> because in order to intimidate Arab invaders who came in on horses, they would mm -hmm. put an arrow through the eye of, of a the, person riding on a wow. horse. So imagine that skill in marksmanship and accuracy. And so the Magi archers, we, yeah, of course, I'm in the archery too, but I also want that to reflect good methodology and accuracy and scholarship. And so in my book, I take after, I, I intend to, I don't know if I'm humble enough or wise enough mm -hmm. to do so, but I intend to take after certain men that I've read about, certain black men who were astounding characters mm -hmm. uh, who've lived on this earth. Brothers like, I don't know if you heard of a brother named uh, Pascal Beverly Randolph. He was, mm -hmm. well, basically he was a black man or, uh, you know, who brought, uh, what they call Rosicrucianism to yeah, the yeah, United yeah. Okay. States. Okay. Well, Word. but it was not because he was into these orders like that. It was because of the level of knowledge that he was able to obtain without a teacher mm. that when he stepped into any Masonic lodge, and you can read up on him, he left after one conversation, and this is crazy. He left as the newly appointed Grand Master of that lodge. You see what oh I'm saying? Say his name knowledge, again, bro. Say his Pascal, name again. Pascal Beverly Randolph. Because wow. of the knowledge that he displayed in discourse in those meetings, they automatically appointed Just, him whoa. with something. And so I'm like, man, I kind of want to be like that. And so with my presentation of knowledge in my book magi archers it's just articles i was research i was doing on my own but we know again when we're talking about contributing to a field you got to first go into the field to make course, sure you're not right. putting nothing up that's already been put up there so some of my works have been really like accepted by the community as some mm -hmm. jewels i have one thing i did and i'm in closing i'm just gonna yeah. put this out there so they can know that this is how we really deal with it uh, I contacted the museum curator of the uh, British Museum, and we got a correspondence and had one for years now, uh, R.B. Parkinson's over translations that he was having a problem with. But look, I think it wasn't his knowledge wasn't the grandest inability. It is when we go into other people cultures and we're not necessarily familiar with that culture. Right. And then we'll have nuances. some translation problems. So I submitted my translations to an ostracon that's in the British Museum that is held by, uh, you know, overlooked. Oh, it was my God. Overlooked by Parkinson's. And I got the email correspondence where he submitted to my translation he's wow. like oh well i had a really hard time with that one and i i do agree with everything you're saying wow and so 
uh, these type of qualifications by people who are really in their fields low. Because I mean, I'm, I could go to school for Egyptology, of but course. that ain't necessarily what I'm trying to do. I'm more concerned with getting to the root of what would help us, if anything, from knowing this information, what could help us in this day and age. And in closing, I'll just say me learning the Medu nature make computer science look easy to me. Uh, now trying to decode computer code, it's not as hard as it would be to me after I learned how to decode metal nature. You see what I'm saying? So now that we talking about how I'm building a virtual world and yeah. things like that, I'm not proposing like, I didn't write the code for that. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it opened up a new way of seeing things in my uh life or in my brain mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. to where i i'm not as frustrated when presented with all the and i, I i've been negotiating my way through uh computer science very right. well you can ask our developers at high row vr or whatever yeah, yeah. which is a new virtual world that yeah, we got up and running right now you know what i'm saying man let me yeah. say man Thank you so much. You know, mm -hmm. I knew this, you know, and y'all don't know me, me and me and Cash been trying to do this interview for like two years. And every time we would get ready, something would happen. I'd be somewhere. He'd be somewhere. Technical problems. Mm -hmm. And I actually believe that it's because of this moment it was 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 great. You know, it was it was great. It was everything I was hoping to hear and achieve. And I learned more. You know what I'm saying? And and thank you for sharing your knowledge. Thank you for what you've given to the hip hop community. You know what I'm saying? Because you've given a lot. Um, you've contributed a lot and you've had a, a lot of influence. And we've shared some amazing moments, you know, in hip hop and, you, you know, just playing chess or whatever. And so I just want to thank yes. you for for that friendship and those years and, 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 and what you what you've given to the to the culture, man. What up? Thanks for having me on the show. I want to say shout out to all the listeners. If y'all don't ain't keeping up with me, it's a casual rap god on Instagram where I'm most active. You can tap in with us on High Row VR or any place. So, you know, thanks for having me on here, man. And it's always good building with you. You know how we do. You know? Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, word, yeah. yo. Bishop Chronicles, you know what I mean? It's a decent the bishop, the black Ron Burgundy in the building. I want you to have a fantastic week. Stay great. Defend your smile. You know what I'm saying? Don't let nobody get at you in a way that you can't smile. Retain your joy. Stay strong. And we're going to see you on the next one. Peace. Teacher, what style is that? It, 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 it's my own secret technique. <laughs>